The following interview originally aired September 19th on the Wednesday edition of The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Our guest this morning is Zachary Bass, Redmond Airport Director. Zach was appointed to the position of Airport Director in January of 2016 after holding the position of Airport Business Manager for one year. Last November, Zach was named Airport Manager of the Year by Oregon Airport Management Association. Congratulations and welcome to The Point, Zach. Thanks for having me. First of all, a little background on you, please. Tell us what experience you bring to your position as Airport Manager. Uh, you know, it's it's something I've always been around aviation throughout my whole life. Um, I'm an Air Force military brat, um, and so had a lot of experience around Air Force bases to begin with. I also was in the Air Force for about nine years um, as a business manager. Um, so what that allowed me to do when I got out was to take the position here at RDM as the business manager, and um, I was given the opportunity to become the airport director, as you said, about going on two and a half years ago. So that's just a little bit of background about me. So what are the duties of airport director? Um, <laughs> they're pretty all-encompassing. Um, are you? I mean, are you out there directing planes, or what are you doing? <laughs> no, specifically, um, you know, I think just like any other uh, director-level place or person, you're you're dealing with a lot of uh, making sure the right people are in the the right places um, on your team, and they have the right expertise to, as you said, maybe direct planes or make sure that pavement's the right strength. Um, I was just thinking, there's got to be more to it than that. <laughs> you know? there, there's you a, made it sound way too simple. I know, simple. it's like, wait a minute. There's got to <laughs> be more to it than that. There's a, so it's kind of broken into two parts. There's what's called airfield, where you, you know the planes are landing, taking off, hangars, aviation-related um, uh, things. And then on the flip side, there's land side. And a lot of people don't realize that um, the airport actually owns about 500 acres outside of the fence, which is what we try to do, of course, is to, to manage those properties for income for the airport. So I probably spend about 60% of my time just on property management issues. And then very rarely um, do I spend time with the airlines because they're they're pretty self-sufficient. One of the mayor candidates yeah. was talking about possibly developing some of that land out by the airport. Would that hinder any um, airport expansion in the future? No, I mean, there's available land for um, economic growth out there. Um, and what we would always are trying to do is to, to try to do that. Because what happens is if any kind of revenue stream that's um, not related to aircraft helps prop up the airport in case there's you know bad times or in case um, something else occurs to where uh, you know we have a drop in revenue because of commercial service. So we're always looking to, uh, to develop land. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've also heard that they might um, extend COCC or you know make it bigger towards the airport. Would that affect the airport at all? No, I mean we do we do own some land currently uh, near COCC, and we're we're in talks with them all the time about availability. Um, and uh, I, I won't talk to their ex what their plans on expansion are, but sure. we're always willing again to to have land uh, be developed. So if anybody's interested out there, let me know. <laughs> is this a commercial? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little pitch for you. Okay. Currently, we have four airlines, Alaska, American, United, and Delta, serving our area. We have flights to the major hubs in the West, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Phoenix, Salt Lake, and Denver. How many flights a day inbound, outbound are served at RDM? It, it fluctuates, but um, during the summer, we have 25 outgoing flights and 25 ingoing flights. Um, a lot of people don't realize that we actually have seven, currently seven daily flights to Seattle. 
um, and it's one of the most um, most frequency out of any airport that serves Seattle is Redmond. Really? Um, well, that, isn't that where everybody connects? I mean, they fly to either Portland or Seattle and then off from there. You know, and again, during the peak season, which is, you know, July and August, we had five daily flights to Portland. We had five daily flights to San Francisco. Um, and we're starting to increase our frequency um, in flights to Denver, L.A., um, hopefully Phoenix. Um, and so we're just seeing an overall growth of flights and hopefully new destinations in the future. And that was my next question. What are the prospects for adding additional carriers or destinations? You know, um, about 80% of um, the all aviation market for um, commercial service is actually um, performed by only four airlines actually owns about or uses about 80% of the market. And we already have three of those. The only one, large other one that we don't have is Southwest. Mm -hmm. And they usually fly from large hub to large hub, and they haven't really got into our market size yet. But we're continually looking at, um, you know, adding anybody that's interested, maybe Allegiant, um, maybe Frontier. um, And we move down that path to where, you know, we spend a lot of time and and quite a bit of money traveling and speaking to those airlines about more frequency and destinations. Well, you did have Allegiant for a while because I remember flying to Las Vegas. My sister lived in Las Vegas and I remember there was an Allegiant flight and then all of a sudden there wasn't. So what happened? (laughs) That is a long and complicated story that that I was not here for. Um, But what I will say is that um, adding frequency or staying in a market or leaving a market is all up to the airlines. So the airport can do certain things to help incentivize new service, right? We can we can work with DOT grants or Department of Transportation grants to get what we call a revenue guarantee. Um, we can have local um, money kind of put into that pot, too, to try to be like, well, come back or mm-hmm. do this. But when it comes to the end of the day, the airlines make the decisions. And a lot of times those are because of pilot shortages. They might have not enough aircraft. Um, they might not see the revenue potential in a market. Um, and so at the end of the day, as I said, they're making those decisions, and at that time, Allegiant made that decision. Kind of along that same line, give us an update on passenger loads and trends. Yeah, so um, last year, we actually increased what we call employments, what are people getting on a plane, and that's kind of how you measure a commercial airport. Um, And we had an 18% growth. So uh, the year prior to that, we had a, I think it was a 14% growth. Um, Across the nation, average growth right now in the aviation industry is about 2%. Wow. Um, Wow, that's all those people coming to Bend, eh? It's <laughs> we're, we we are growing along with the region, but you know we see more business traffic, we see um, m- uh, more tourist traffic, and so um, for us that's a that's a great thing. Hopefully, it, it continues for a while. Can you give us an idea of percentage of how full are those planes taken off? Yeah, so we run on average across our all of our airlines about an eighty percent what they call load factor. Wow! So eighty percent of the seats that are available on a plane are full. Um, some markets are higher, some are a little lower, and uh, we talk to the airlines about those um, about that quite a bit. But right now we're running about eighty percent full. Um, and you did mention businesses before. We had a candidate. We're doing candidate interviews mm-hmm. with the elections coming up, and one of the candidates who's running for the state house wondered why we don't have more flights going like to the East Coast. She thinks there should be more flights for businesses that it would help business in Central Oregon and people that do business here to be able to go more directly from west to east coast? That's a great question. And the simple answer to that is our runway is not long enough. Oh. 
So we have about a 7,000-foot runway, but when you start talking 737s and mainline larger aircraft um, to, to go to the East Coast, let's say Minneapolis, Chicago, Dallas, in the middle of the summer at our elevation and with the heat, the runway is not long enough. So with some of that extra land that you have, can you extend the runway? Is that even in the, a possibility in the future? It is slotted in our master plan for a 3,000-foot extension in about 10 years. 10 years, okay. Good okay, to know. I have a question for you. A yes. hundred years ago, mm-hmm. back in the early 80s, I saw the Blue Angels mm-hmm. at RDM. The runway was long enough for them. Yeah, so it's not so much... Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're light high thrust aircraft so um, they don't need actually as much runway now if you were talking like a fully loaded c-17 it's not going to be able to get off the ground so it's more based on the weight of the aircraft um, than it is let's say the maneuverability or the coolness factor that's that makes sense you know the heavier the load the longer it's going to take for getting off the ground i would think exactly but yet alaska just started flying a 737 which is pretty exciting <laughs> Uh, one flight a day currently. One flight a day. To Seattle. Yes, and it is seasonal, so it will we will see that um, end in November. Um, and as I just pointed out, those we, we I said the runway wasn't long enough, and I, you just pointed out that we have a seven thirty seven landing, and and it's a short trip to Seattle, so they just don't take on as much fuel, which oh. lowers the weight, which allows them to take off in the heat with our runway. Now again, Chicago with the same aircraft has to be fully fueled. And they want as many passengers on there as possible. And that weight addition means that they can't take off on a runway in the the hot season. Any plans for additional 737s? Always. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, we always want to see an increase in our aircraft's um, size because, of course, that adds capacity to our market. Now, we have to be a little careful that we don't add too much. And then we see that load factor dip and maybe it disincentivizes the airlines to add more. So it is a little bit of a, a game you have to play on. Of course, we want bigger, but really, is our market ready for it yet? And I think in some instances it is. In some instances, it's not. So balancing act. It is. Everything's a balancing act, correct. So we'll just have to wait until the extension, which is 10 years from now, you said? It is uh, slotted in our master plan for the 10 to 12-year mark. But, you know, that's a, uh, it's a, it doesn't seem like it would be that much, but it's probably close to a $50 million project. So what about jetways? Any prospect for not getting off those airplanes in the middle of January and slogging <laughs> through the snow? <laughs> So as of right now, um, we are planning on, um, again, in the very beginning um, planning on this, but maybe in about the five to six-year mark, we're going to look at expanding the hold room or where you wait for the planes. Um, And part of that expansion might be uh, three or four jet bridges. So we we are thinking about that, and uh, it is something that we'll probably see in the next at least 10 years. You are listening to The Point on 88.9 KPOV High Desert Community Radio. Welcome back to the Wednesday Point on 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio. We're speaking today with Zachary Bass, Airport Manager for Redmond Municipal Airport. And Zach, in doing some research yesterday, I discovered that there's a program at RDM of Chinese commercial pilots living in Redmond who train out of RDM because its airspace is not so crowded 
and the program is also in Hillsboro, but it's expanded to Redmond. Tell us a little bit about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it, it is pretty unique, I think. Uh, as you said, it, the main campus is in Hillsboro, but um, my understanding is it's it's uh, pretty rainy and cloudy up there, so they wanted... Really? I know. Um, <laughs> they, they wanted a place like Central Oregon that they could fly more throughout the year. Um, right now, there's about 125 um, Chinese students from, I think, about seven different Chinese airlines, um, and uh, they are here to get their commercial um, license. Uh, and one reason why they chose us was, you know, they need to have that interaction with the tower. Um, an interesting fact, uh, they all speak English, but the reason so is that every tower in the world is, speaks English. So a lot of times we see those individuals from different nations um, training here. Um, and uh, what it's done is it's actually increased our operations by about 100%, which wow. means, you know, it's getting busier, but uh, it's still... We still have a lot of capacity. What type of aircraft are they flying? They're flying just little um, 182s, 187s. I mean, the smaller aircraft is what they're practicing on. So what do you mean when you said it increased the operations by 100%? Yeah, so another way, so I mentioned employments is on how we um, judge the size of a commercial airport. Well, any airport in general is judged by operations, which is land, landing is in takeoffs. Um, and right now, well, before the, the students started the school, um, we had about 50,000 operations. Now we're running to closer to about ninety to 100,000 operations. Um, does that mean you have to employ more people to back the more staff to accommodate the increased operations? It does not. It means our towers busier. Um, but just to put that into perspective, Bend Airport with no tower runs about one hundred and fifty thousand operations. So um, we still have a lot of capacity. It's actually a good thing for the airport, um, and uh, you know it, it really doesn't affect our pavement too much just because they're smaller aircraft. And so they're here, I would imagine, is it throughout the year or is it just uh, the spring and summer and fall? Or Yeah, it's, it's almost, um, from my understanding, is they run 12 to 18 month cycle, six days a week. I mean, they're, they are, um, uh, in some ways, I would say, you know, kind of like a boot camp almost to get your, your private license, commercial. Um, and then they, they head back to their airlines that have paid for all this. And then those airlines, of course, train them a lot more specifically on the aircraft, the larger aircraft they'll be flying. That's really interesting. Are there other countries that do the same sort of thing besides China? There is, but at this time, our, our campus is mostly the, the Chinese students. So do you recruit these people, or how does that happen? I mean, in my imagination, I can't even conceive how Chinese air, airline pilot students would be here. I, it just, yeah, how does that happen? Well, it's not, we actually don't run it as the airport. So it's a private company, um, Hillsboro Air Academy that runs it. Um, and again, truthfully, my understanding is that they have that relationship with the Chinese airlines. They, uh, they, the Chinese airlines pull people from um, their colleges over there. And it's pretty, I think, very tough to get into this program. And then the airlines send them over here. And I, th I believe that they owe the airlines, um, you know, years afterwards to, to fly. Wow. Well, Zach, we've all heard the drone of the engines and seen the orange and white fireplanes mm -hmm. flying overhead. We are grateful for them protecting us. Tell us a little bit about the relationship we have with the Forest Service. Yeah, so uh, the, the Forest Service um, is our largest tenant on the airfield. Uh, they run about 36 acres. Um, I believe in talking um, with them that they are the one of the largest in the country, if not the largest. Um, they have a, a myriad of um, 
things that they do over there. Regional Air Group, Regional Air Center, smoke jumpers, um, training, the, the the giant cash that actually, you know, when anybody that fights fire in the region has to go through there. Um, so it, we have a great relationship with them. And uh, one other kind of unique thing is that the airport itself actually builds a lot of their stuff for them. And then they just lease it back from us. So it's a very good uh, close relationship with the Forest Service. Another stream of income for you. We're always in. You know, I, I told you I was, you know, I'm not a pilot. So yeah. um, what I do is um, hopefully decently is uh, run a business. And that, that's what the airport is. And, and to give you something about that is the airport is owned by the city. Uh-huh. But the airport is an entity of its own when uh-huh. it comes to revenue and expenditures. The FAA requires that any money made by the airport stays with the airport. I see. Now, if the airport was in tr- if the airport was in trouble, the city could give money to the airport, but it does not go the other op- other way. Oh. So the city actually owns the property. It is owned by the city under what's called an FAA patent land. To receive FAA money, we have to sign grant assurances that pretty much means that there's certain really specific things we can and cannot do with the land. Interesting. And, and just to point out that, as I mentioned, the city can give us money if we're in distress. Since, 19, since the inception of RDM, we've never taken money from the citizens of Redmond. That's good to awesome. know. That is awesome. Speaking again about those Forest Service planes, <laughs> one of them had to make an emergency landing not long ago. Tell us about that. I'm trying to think of which instance Somebody that was. Somebody lost an engine on August 29th. I was not aware of it. Uh-huh. Sorry. Oops. Sorry. The, it must <laughs> I did too much research. <laughs> no, and, and you know, there's there's always, you know, we've had aircraft that, aircraft that are in, in trouble, um, and it's probably, you know, we've had aircraft that have lost wheels, had flats, but unless they actually are stranded on the runway, um, it doesn't really affect operations. Oh, um, I wasn't ready. I'm sorry. That's all right. I, I just, well, I was just thinking about what would happen if a plane were to lose an engine. I mean, it, theoretically, if it has more than one engine, it can still use the other engine and land, right? Correct. And so it wouldn't shut down the entire airport. Correct. And one thing that well, kind of, there's there's what we call alerts. And so that what happens for um, any aircraft in distress, if an aircraft or a pilot thinks there's a problem, they lay out the tower now, and, and that's what we call an alert one. Maybe there's a problem. An alert two is we know there's a problem. Let's say our landing gear won't go down. And then an alert three is an actual, what they consider a crash. Now, if you lose an engine, that's more of an alert two, because of, like you said, it probably didn't affect the plane overall, and there was no kind of crash per se. Switching gears a bit, has smoke been an issue at RDM? You know, it's it's not. So um, we have a half-mile visibility kind of rule. Um, and really the only time we go below a half-mile visibility is um, snowstorms with a low ceiling. So this year, to put that into perspective, even with the worst days of smoke, we still had almost a mile of visibility. Interesting. I know uh, our son flew from LAX to Seattle to catch a connecting flight to meet us in Walla Walla at the wine country, Seattle shut down. Was it because of smoke? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes, they could not take off. Well, there were an awful lot of fires in British Columbia and Washington. So, huh. Uh, Did you want to talk about the drones? Well, yeah, that's a new challenge for you guys. It is. Um, So shifting gears a bit, uh, drones. What are the regulations for drone operators so as not to interfere with commercial air traffic? 
Um, well, <laughs> it's a loaded question. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of different categories of drones and certifications required based on the size and what you're using it for. If, if, if I walk out to Walmart and buy a drone, um, then, and I just want to fly it around, if I'm within five miles um, of, of an airport, you need to let the tower know. And if you go on our website, you can actually fill out some information on where you would like to fly the drone and make the tower aware of that drone being there. So filing a flight plan? Not not really. Um, by means, by no means is it flying. If you stay under 400 feet with a, you know, a drone that you've just bought your kid, um, you're probably fine anywhere. But within a five mile radius, you need to contact that local airport or tower, especially commercial. That's good to know. I wonder if when people buy drones at wherever they buy them, are they told that? Do people know that? A, a lot of times, if if you're purchasing a drone, it's already built into it. Oh. So a lot of times drones, you'll have to override something to go higher than you're supposed to. Oh. Um, or even okay. sometimes the drones have a um, something built into it where it's like a GPS to where it, it identifies that you're within a, um, I wouldn't say a no-fly zone, but a, you know, be careful zone. Uh-huh. So those nicer drones have that, which is, which is helpful for the, the people using them. RDM is hosting a TSA pre-check temporary enrollment center October 8th through the 19th. Tell us about PreCheck and how is it that RDM is hosting this? I had to drive all the way to Seattle for my PreCheck. Yes, and that that used to be the case. Um, And and now what we're finding is that there's a company that actually does these rotating signups. So Eugene has seen it. uh, We're getting it. And we'll probably keep seeing that as we grow. Um, I do know right now that all the signups for those time frames have already been full. So we are looking to add either a longer time with more appointments or um, we'll probably have a rotating um, TSA pre-check in the future. That's really good to know. And so if people want to find out more about any of the things that we talked about today, how can they do that? Yeah, I mean, the easiest thing is to go to flyrdm.com and and, and look through there, especially um, you'll see a, a giant drone on the front page. So go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and click Speaking on that. Um, and then, of course, we've uh, started doing some things because our parking has been getting more full. Um, and so during the uh, holiday seasons, we're, uh, we're actually going to be having a 30, every 30 minute update on how many parking spots are available. Uh, make sure you're giving yourself enough time in the mornings. Uh, we are seeing, you know, nine, 10 flights leave within, you know, two hours of each other. And, and there has been some lines at TSA. So even though we're the same friendly, you know, fast airport, uh, we are growing. So make sure you take that into consideration when traveling with us. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Please drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.